0: Welcome to Tilt Talk Radio. Today we're going to discuss some high digestibility varieties, namely low lignin alfalfa is what we're going to focus on today. We're going to have our egg history minute in our cool beans that's corny. For today we're going to talk about some world events and some local events and in you applied what? We'll talk about a few fungicides. So with me as always is Bill Schaumburg. Hey guys. Todd Schaumburg. Hey, Matt. Max Garvey.
1: What's up, everybody?
0: And I'm Matt Bruger with Tilth Agronomy. <clears throat> so uh, we were kind of frozen shut last week in the ground, and it seems like the frost is probably out now,
2: especially with the rain we got today. Manure back in? Back in manure. We need We need some manure application times here before she seizes up, guys.
1: Cautiously optimistic that we're going to get a lot more manure out yet.
2: Cautiously optimistic that we'll do a good job too. Yeah, right? that's what I that's what I really mean. Like, like we have gotta make sure we do a good job at at do because of all the water.
1: Right. I'm sure some is gonna go out. I just hope it all goes out the right way.
0: Yeah, if we can get a couple weeks here where we could still get in the ground, it doesn't freeze back up right away. That'll do a lot of favors for a lot of guys here.
1: Some extra sampling time too, that's nice. I was getting kinda depressed last week. I was getting worried that we were done and we still had a decent number of samples to get pulled so this week has been awesome already
3: even potential for some more tillage yeah maybe I, do something you know work in some ruts or something i just drove by a couple fields on the way to the studio here
2: and uh there was some ruts and some corn silage fields that a guy chisel plowed and it looks awesome well, it did a really good job couldn't even tell that the field was rutted so
1: i was in some stuff yesterday that was head ruts and it was speed disc actually and i did a pretty nice. I mean, we'll see next spring how much compaction is still there, but the speed discs seem to level it off quite a bit.
0: So yeah, hopefully we'll be pulling some samples for a little bit and extend that season for us a little longer. And uh, before we get into everything, I do have a correction from our last podcast. Uh Uh-oh, Matt, we were wrong.
1: Research department, get it together.
0: I know, darn TTR research department, are fired Ah, uh, wait—that's us. All right, but anyway, uh, we talked about GMO products last podcast, and we talked about GMO t- tomatoes. And while there aren't any currently uh, available in the market, there was one back in the '90s, from about '92 to '97, I believe it was the Flavor Saver tomato, but it went off the market. So um, there was at one time a GMO tomato, but there are no long—they are no longer in the market. Not since, like I said, about 1997. So. It's good to be accurate, Matt. Yep. A good old flavor saver. Yeah, that's usually what guys call their uh, their little soul patch or mustache is flavor saver. But uh, in this case, it was a tomato. Why
1: are you looking at me when you say that?
0: Uh, Because you said you called it that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right, so let's roll into it. Low lignin alfalfa. So what is the difference between alfalfa, as we know it, and low lignin alfalfa? Who wants to tackle that one?
1: I'll start. Uh, the spelling is way different. There's like extra words in front of, s- of one of them.
0: <laughs> yes. All right. Thank uh, you, teacher Max.
1: Yeah, you're you're welcome.
0: Captain Obvious, I <laughs> think is uh, That's a better <laughs> <way to laughs> <play>. new nickname <laughs> That's that Max is going to require Captain on this podcast. Captain Obvious. Um, so lignin being the structural component of a plant, so we're lowering that to make it easier to digest for the animals. So low lignin. So the difference is, it's on the surface should be more digestible, right? That should be it.
1: Yeah. That's the plan.
0: So then why do we need low lignin alfalfa? Why, why is more digestibility good?
1: I don't, I think that there's value to being a higher digestibility, but I think what really um, sets us apart is that it holds its digestibility longer. It doesn't drop as you leave it in the field for 35 days and just turn into this bark, pretty much.
2: And as these farms get bigger, I think that's a big deal, right? <clears throat> it's going to take longer for them to harvest all their alfalfa. Weather is always unpredictable, right? As we found this oh. year, getting alfalfa off, you might have, you know, a couple hours to do it. So uh, if you have to leave it out there longer, the good part is you gain a little bit extra tons and, and you keep that, that digestibility, at least in a range where it's acceptable uh, versus, you know, conventional alfalfas that could really tail off. And then you got tree bark
1: i think it's a good insurance policy hopefully Mm -hmm. you can get your alfalfa cut let it lay for a day and then chop it but that doesn't seem to happen very often so it's nice to have that backup plan where if it has to sit it can sit and you're not you know really freaking out it'll be okay
3: when we're talking about the difference what does amaze me is how little lignin they took out um you know think of that it's like well You got to take out half of it or how much. And obviously, if you took out too much, the alfalfa isn't going to stand, you know, just lodge and fall over. So I know a lot of it's between five and 10% of the lignin, you know, is reduced or or less. So um, interesting to see that. And I haven't, standability wise, in any of the low lignins, have been pretty good.
2: Yeah, I haven't seen anything that stuck out. I think a lot of farms, uh, you know, there's several ways you can skin this cat of how you want to cut it you know we can take away a cutting like maybe it was intended to and and still get the same amount of you get more forage with the same amount of quality and save that chopping bill that extra bill that your custom harvester would have you know or you can use it like max you're just talking about with maybe some extension of of weather um or you could just cut it as normal right and and um and use it as you just keep it in your same rotation and then if you get in trouble um you can always do that so I think it just depends on how you wanna handle it. And um if you're cutting it on a normal schedule, obviously you're not gonna probably see any standability issues. But if you're gonna push a twenty eight day window to a thirty eight day window or whatever number you wanna pick, um I you know, I have a few farms that are doing that and I'm I'm not seeing any thing that's standing out that's more uh, limiting as far as standability goes. Well it'll be interesting to see, especially after this year. Uh,
0: Farms that weren't looking to extend their cutting window but had to because of weather <clears throat> and everything else. So the farms that are have are growing that low lignin. I think um, this will be an interesting year to look at that data. Any low lignin plots or guys that are doing side by sides to see if it did really hold up.
1: I th- I think I did start to see some standability issues this summer when we got to day sixty four between cuttings. So, but I <laughs> think that's pretty acceptable. I think when we get to that point... I, I think anything at that point, yeah. Yeah, I don't... Acceptable issue. and exceptional. You know what? I was barely standing after 64 days without a of yeah. cutting, so...
0: <laughs> so where should we use low linking alfalfa? What's, we talked about that uh, a little bit here. So obviously, if you're looking to extend that cut, cutting window, looking to hold quality, maybe gain some tonnage, um, probably a good product for you. Any other places you, th- you could see that it would fit...
2: Um, a situation. Well, Max, you and I were talking before what were you talking about the Roundup Ready factor? Yeah,
1: so right now um basically all low lignin varieties come with the Roundup Ready um trait package. So, and
2: that's if it's a GMO, right? Not if it's a just a breeding correct, if correct. it's a bre- the, breeding the, the low
1: transgenic lignan. low lignins you have to have or you, you can't get it without the Roundup Ready um trait. So, if you are if you if your operation is using a lot of grass hay, um it's, it's not really, it, it starts to lose its value because you're not able to spray that Roundup. And that's, you're paying for that trait, whether you like it or not. So it's really nice to be able to use it. So I, I think the pure alfalfa high management style operations are a good place for those transgenic varieties.
0: So what did we see this year? We <clears throat> Anybody with some low lignin alfalfa that they want to talk about? I know um, to start, I guess I've got a plot that I haven't seen the the data results yet, but uh, we have a low lignin alfalfa plot that we ran. Um, it was established last year, and then this will be the first full year of data. So it'll be interesting to see how that performed. Uh, several varieties. I think it's thirty replications. So I'm I don't have much to share on it, but I am really curious of how that performed
2: in a year like this. I've I've got several farms that. Now we're almost in year three, so we've got the whole farm in um and, and most of it's been the harv the extra transgenic uh, uh varieties. And um, you know, they've come a long ways with that too. I think we're on like I don't know, second or third generation or variety of you know, in a certain brand and um um I'm not seeing anything out of the ordinary. The yield seem to be holding with the other with the other varieties too and, and quality wise Um, it's hard to say quality because of this year was so bad, like Max, like you were talking about just 60 some days, but you know, it's hard to judge the quality because our cutting windows were so weird this year. Um, but it definitely held when we had to have some crazy weather issues when we had those crazy weather issues.
1: I think, uh, we had a a larger grower, high management, pure alfalfa, and they've had a couple generations now of, of the, uh, the low lignin varieties, both transgenic and the breeding program. And the only the only drawback I've seen so far, and it actually works itself out in the end, is that they seem to be a little bit um, slow coming out in the spring. They seem to struggle a little bit more with those really cold, wet springs. But then as the year goes on, it, it ends up evening out. You get that little bit more quality. Um, and I think we're pushing yields on them a little bit just because we're letting them stand. You know, they're the last ones cut usually in that, you know, this year especially, that was two weeks from the first field we cut to the last field we cut. That's, that's a lot of extra yield out there.
3: Yeah, I had some this year with mixed with grass. So I know, mm-hmm. like you said, Max, it's maybe not always the best because you can't use the roundup trait, but it did work well in tandem with the grass because the grass kind of brought us better um, you know, yield, got through the winter better, lower quality, but then that mixed with the low-legged alfalfa made a really good forage where it was still... Uh, good quality, even with headed out grass in it. So it's kind of a neat thing to see sometimes where it it can still work. And I think with the grass, I know this is your idea Max, where maybe you plant a little lignin alfalfa, spray it with Roundup, and then plant the grass in it in the fall. Mm-hmm. And that would be a way to kind of use them both in tandem.
1: Yeah, well, and it's not that you can't plant them with grass. I mean, you definitely still can. I just you're you're losing value. Your your dollars per acre is going up, and you're not getting any extra. So, like you like you said, I think that an establishment and pass with Roundup and then add grass. That's an I think that's an awesome way to go about it. Now,
2: just one thing I wanted to bring up about a, a watch out is I've got some areas where water hemp is an issue, and just like in corn, obviously the water hemp's still going to be Roundup resistant because it's in the alfalfa. So um, we actually tried uh, some warrant this year was labeled on alfalfa, so we kind of did that in tandem with the Roundup. And we were able to control the water hemp and all the other weeds with the Roundup. Um, whereas, if we just would have stuck with the Roundup and kind of been had our blinders on to that Roundup, we would have still had the problems with the water hemp.
1: Did you use that spray cycle along with the altered cutting schedule to try and get the that water hemp at a certain stage, or not really? No,
2: and the the um, the warrant's more of a pre anyway. Mm-hmm. So you're spraying the hay when it's really short and seeding. Seeding year. This what okay. we did. It was in the seeding year, so um, we got it early, even before the water hemp came up. There was some yeah, other weeds
3: you got to have all the alfalfa emerge right? But you're right; you got to get it before any water hemp submerged. So, yeah. yeah.
2: So we had really tall, excuse me, really short, uh, like velvet leaves and and uh, foxtails and stuff. So mm-hmm. the roundup was able to take those, and there was no water hemp present yet.
1: I just we've tried now a couple different, you know altering cutting scenarios along with adding that herbicide trying to control water hemp. And I haven't seen much difference in when we cut it versus when we spray it. But definitely using them in tandem to try and manage it helps. And then like we talked about this roundup roundup trait does help us control all the other little annoying weeds.
0: And just thing to remember too, even with the Roundup technology, not all the alfalfa plants are Roundup ready, so it does help um to spray it in the first year because you do kill those non-roundup plants and then after that you're helping maintain that stand density a little bit better too
3: <clears throat> so what do we think for next year i think it's one thing for next year to watch is cost is i mean it's significantly higher cost um per bag and per pound there's a couple ways where you know in general reducing our per pound plant you know looking at pure live seed reducing that down to from you know, some guys being 20 plus pounds per acre down in that 14 to 18 pounds, just looking at how much seed you got. Um, but with it being a tighter year for, you know, milk prices still being on the low side, it's a tough one to, to you got to watch costs first. And I guess with this product too, I always look at is, can you get the same quality and just cut a week earlier, or just keep on that higher schedule? So might be something to watch your adoption rate and how you do it just because of the cost.
2: It's a, I, bi- it's a big cost. Yeah. I had a guy um asked to do some budgets and talk to this his seed dealer about what uh traded variety costed and it was in the 400s a bag. So I mean you're you got to weigh that out if if you can handle that sticker shock of that huge of that huge price tag.
1: I think that uh, if we were planning to have a lot of uh, early planted no-till alfalfa next spring, I would be a little bit more in favor of spending the money on some of these traits. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think we're going to have any early season no-till alfalfa just because I don't think there's going to be any fields that are really fit to take a a new seeding. Just the way the fall went, there's not much out there for for real nice flat stuff. So I guess we'll have to kind of wait and see a little bit whether or not it's going to be worth it just when we get the seedings in and how they how they go in, what what management styles we have to go into that way. So
2: the other spot I like the Roundup Ready traded Harvextra or the low lignin is um like in fall seedings after winter wheat. You know, I always get that winter wheat to come and we want to spray it out, you know, and we use our regular products, but you know, Roundup does such a good job, it's a lot cheaper. So just another way to manage, you know, that that rotation a little bit better.
0: So any difference you guys are seeing in um, using the traded version versus the breeding other than the Roundup technology? Any other um, places you feel are a better fit for one over the other outside of the
2: weed? I think management style. Um, You know, a guy that's really high management, maybe in his corn where he's pushing herbicides, pushing nitrogen, pushing potash, fungicide, all that kind of stuff, is going to be able to manage uh, the traded version, probably a little bit better. Maybe it's going to be a little bit more uh, used to that cost um, versus maybe the breeding program where you don't get quite the the claims anyway. You don't get quite the quality bump, um, and it's a little cheaper.
0: Another thing I think to watch, too, is the uh, the fall dormancy ratings on these as well when you're looking to move into... Whether you're moving into or um, mixing these, as they do have a little bit of a difference there, um, which, Todd, I know you found out on one of your farms.
3: Yeah, it's, it's something you really do got to watch because they're not available in all the fall dormancies that you may be used to. So if you currently are a fall dormancy four, what's available is a fall dormancy three. Um, it's quite different alfalfa. So you probably don't want to switch that around, and that might be why you're seeing some quality jump Um because you switched to fall dormancy, not because it's truly that much different. So Todd, fall dormancy
2: four will stay living in the fall longer, right? That's what, for our listeners, the fall dormancy is the higher the number, the longer it stays living in the fall, right? Yeah. Before it goes dormant. Yeah. So if you get a fall, you're used to a four and you go to a three, all of a sudden she's going dormant quicker And than then it'll you come out
3: of dormancy quicker in the spring yeah. as well. So a three is real slow in the spring and a four will come out quicker. So yeah, it just, Um, And and for certain areas, that could be huge because if you are changing that, you're going to have more winter kill because it's not appropriate for your area.
0: Well, in your transition, if you're dealing with half your fields are traditional alfalfa and the other half are the low lignin, your first crop is going to be quite a bit different depending on how quick that comes out in the spring. You know, your heights are going to be different. You're going to be dealing with potentially two harvest windows
2: uh, depending on what quality you're looking for. so and It's going to take some time, right, to get right. your farm transitioned from what you're doing to this low lignin program.
1: I would just say that if you're seeding some of these, this like the Harvextra where you have that Roundup Ready trait and then you're also planting some conventional alfalfa without the Roundup trait, let's make sure we're taking really good notes. Because I, I did see a fatality this year where... Fatality. That's a good yeah. Well, well, actually, what happened was they filled, they filled, um, they filled the planter. They started planting. It ran out again. When they refilled it, they put conventional. So when they went to spray Roundup, and they didn't write it down, they just said, "Yep, we planted alfalfa mm-hmm. there." And when they went to spray Roundup, now we had probably five out of like fifty acres was just gone. Mm-hmm. So
2: that's always fun trying to go back and repatch those when it's right parts of fields,
1: right? So. But that I think that goes with anything. Just let's make sure we're taking good notes when we're planting.
0: Yep, that's good. good thought, Max. All right. The last thing we want to talk about here with low-lignin alfalfa is um, there was a lawsuit that happened, I think it was last year, between FGI and Alpharex dealing with the low-lignin alfalfa. So forage gen- genetics being FGI and Alpharex seeds were fighting over varieties of alfalfa and who could sell what and kind of that sort
3: of thing. So, and who could say that they were true low lignans? Right. So was yep. How, kind how of an interesting yeah, marketing lawsuit.
0: So <clears throat> when looking at varieties too, a lot of these are going to be very similar varieties because there's a, a fairly limited pool of low lignin alfalfa varieties out there outside of you know the transgenic versus breeding so you might be planning actually the same thing and just in different bags but because of the lawsuit you can't really say it's the same thing so
1: well, we're only what five years out from the introduction of this of these traits
0: yeah it hasn't been very long um and like i said there's a pretty limited pool there that we're dealing with that <clears throat> so um just understand that too that you even though it's packaged differently, it may be the same thing as some of the other stuff you're growing. Um, so it's always good to ask questions of your agronomist or your your dealer and make sure you find out what you got in the bag, despite the label. And we see that in corn too. I think you know, obviously we've had certain varieties of corn that get packaged in this in different bags, but are the same variety. So uh, just something to watch out for as you're, as you're moving on to. Anybody else get anything out? They want to say about low-lying alfalfa.
2: It's worth a try. You know, always can try it. You know, on a couple acres or see what you think of it.
1: I don't have any terrible red flags for it. I mean, that's a good that's a good start for a lot. Some of these new varieties, sometimes things come out, and you're just like, absolutely not, no way. I, thus far, as at least what I've seen, I don't have anything that tells me there's absolutely no reason to plant it. So,
0: yep. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the agronomic side of things. If you're looking at the actual digestibility and, and that side of things, um, you're probably going to want to keep it separate on the feed pad or make a bag just so you can see if you're really getting um, that end of things out of it too when you're feeding it. Because um, if it's mixed, you're not really going to get a good result on finding out what's what's feeding better than the other. That's hard to do
2: sometimes, Matt. Oh, I know. We're it's, busy, right? We just we're busy. to get gotta, it done. we uh, got to get it done. But
1: yeah, My favorite, you want me to make a bag? Are you kidding? You want me to make a bag? You know, but I think that right now on a small-scale operation, that's probably the easiest way because they usually don't have 17 silos that they can split it up. So it's kind of like, well, I, I guess we're going to make a bag if we want it to be separate. So,
0: so yeah, those are all some things to keep in mind with low-lignin alfalfa. So, like we said, it's more digestible. Um, structurally, 5 to 10% less lignin. There are traded varieties and... Uh, bread ones as well. So give it a shot if you think it will fit your operation. And good luck. So and let's move into our next segment here. So we're going to talk about some cool beans, and that's corny. So what are our cool beans? Cool beans. Cool beans? Cool beans.
1: Cool beans. All Co- right. Cool beans. All right. Everybody got one in now? We're we good? Cool beans. All right, good. Okay, so our cool beans this week are is going to be Brazil beef prices reach record high. This is thanks to China's growing consumption of beef. Now I'm I know none of us are from Brazil, and I don't know how many listeners we have in Brazil because we're not speaking Portuguese, so it's probably not probably not very high. But when you see one country start to have their beef market grow and they they're seeing a higher demand, eventually it's going to trickle down. At least that's the hope. So hopefully, pretty soon in America here, we can see some higher beef prices, make those calves a little bit more valuable.
2: Well, the article talks about uh, uh, Brazil's famous barbecue. So maybe that Texas barbecue that uh, is so famous as well, be make its way over to China and they'll want that Texas Longhorn uh, beef, right? Right. Yeah, horns down. Horns down. Horns down.
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, I think we've seen that in the market too. You've got your your Angus. Beef market, your Kobe beef, your Brazilian barbecue. So, yeah, hopefully, good things are in the w- in the works here for our beef growers.
1: Maybe beef is the next superfood. You know, one trend starts and it doesn't take long, and everybody's kind of like we talked about with like butter versus margarine. It, you know, just kind of all of a sudden things just come completely changed based on one little diet uh, trend.
0: So, yeah, gotta bring back the Atkins diet. Wasn't that all beef, no carbs? Yeah, well, all meat, like, I should that, say. keto (laughs) keto.
1: we're gonna eat avocados and steaks for every meal
2: although i did see the impossible burger has more calories than a whopper than a regular
1: i wouldn't be surprised if the impossible burger has actually more meat in it than a regular burger well that's (laughs) the lawsuit
2: there's
0: actually a lawsuit against the impossible burger because supposedly burger king's cooking them on the same surface as beef so they're they're contaminated they're touching yeah can't have them touch. Not
2: quite impossible.
0: Then yeah, is it's it? impossible to keep them apart. Apparently, Ooh, is, is where the impossible comes in. These, Where's
1: the rim shot, Todd? Come on. <laughs> these 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 puns just get worse every week. I think, but I'm here for it. All right, and then are that's corny. This year, this year's corny. I'm done. This I'm done. <laughs> this year, bro. 2019.
3: 2019.
1: 2019. Corny in the trash. Whatever you want to call it, it's corny. Corny as heck. It's become a four letter word. 2019.
2: We've gotten roundhouse kicked over and over again this year, haven't we?
1: And if we have to call it, if this year is some kind of corn, it's definitely low-quality silage because it never dried out. Yeah, it's sterile
2: corn silage, right? No ear? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's
1: three and a half feet tall. It got frosted off, and it was still pollinating. That's what this year was.
0: Yeah, and even, you know, we're talking about the positives of the frost being back out of the ground. It's still raining outside, and... (laughs) You know we're pushing an inch of rain, so it's going to make things sloppy. So yeah, extra,
1: extra sloppy.
0: <laughs> Even when we're we're seeing positives, it's got to have a negative with it. So
3: Max, when were you done with this year? Like what? Like... I was
1: actually i I was thinking about this the other day, and I was talking with a with a seed salesman, and I I think I actually had my breakdown about the fifteenth of September. That oh, was that's when... that's good. Yeah, I, I made I it was that wrong. Like no, I two
3: in July where I was just like so frustrating this I, year, just.
2: But at least in June and July, Todd, there was still like, maybe
1: fall will be better. You know, we can get the crop
2: harvested, but Max, we get to September and it's like, are you serious? This just never stops.
1: And that's it. Like in my head in June and July, I'm like, it's always average in the end, right? Yeah, That's what I was told. It's always average in the end. This year is never got average. So on the 15th, when most guys weren't even like getting their chopper heads cleaned up and ready to go, they're like, what do you mean? We're three weeks away. Why would I? But when I start working on that, that is when it really hit me, and I was, I was like, hunting and picking for soil samples in September, which never happens. Usually September 15th, I cannot pull samples fast enough to keep up with the chopper, and this year, I think I had a couple of days where I pulled, like, 12, because that's what was available. You feel good about those 12 right now, I, though. I, I do... I do feel good about those 12 right now.
0: One of the few things you can feel good about in 2018. But at
1: the time driving driving for an hour to pull 12 samples because the chopper was going about an acre an hour, I did not feel good.
3: I do feel good about it being a clean sw- you, a new decade, 2020. Yeah. I mean, it just sounds like I got 2020 just, vision. Yeah, it just feels like it's going to be different.
1: Nobody's
2: talking about that, right? No. Uh, Y2K. ky that's why Y2K because
3: there's two two, two twos this two. time.
1: Yeah.
0: I think we're long past the Y2K. Yeah. Computers aren't going to crash.
1: All the Combine monitors the are going to go down. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only thing new coming in 2020, I think, is the census. That's about the only difference Ooh, between the Are you working census. this one, Matt? No, no, I did work, work the last I time? worked the 2010 census, yeah. yeah. Yep, I was a, uh, here, here's a term for you NRFU. Ooh. Ooh. What is that? Non response something something. I don't remember what else. <laughs> oh, that means for. you
1: went to people's doors. Uh,
0: uh, non response follow up. That's what it was. NRFU. In our interview yeah, nice. It's non-response follow-up. So, yeah, I get to go knock on doors and you were yell, at people for, yeah, yell at people for not filling out their census.
1: They did not yell. They came to the door very nicely, asked me if I was a man or a woman, and moved on.
2: <laughs> that's a little more complicated than that, Max. But, <laughs> did you get paid
1: for it? Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, that's good. So, all right. so that's And just like this year, put it in the Just back.
0: like that. We're going to put 2019 behind us. And nope. move forward into our egg History Minute. So we get the lovely banjo music as we stroll on down the river. So since we're talking about technology, even though we're talking about crop technology, we'll talk about a little more general technology. 1994, so going back before Y2K, uh, farmers began using satellite technology to track and plan their farming practices. Use of conservation tillage methods, which leave crop residues in the field to combat erosion, continued to rise. FDA granted its first approval for a whole food produced through biotechnology: the flavor saver hey, tomato. We talked about that which is already. why, <laughs> yep when I found that, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, we better we talk about stuff. that. Yep. I
1: think this is foreshadowing.
0: Hey. Uh, and as I said before, it didn't make it past '97, but it was one of the early ones. Farm Bureau celebrated 75th anniversary in '94. And the U.S. Congress approved the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade, helping liberalize world trade. And here we are in 2019 still dealing with trade issues. So, Then by 97, the first weed and insect-resistant biotech crops, soybeans and cotton, are available commercially. New Leaf Superior, a potato developed by Monsanto that carried a beetle-killing BT gene, is registered as an insecticide with the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. So plant technologies a lot of this has been going since the 90s and we're still going strong today with new technology trying different things with different
2: crops so that's our egg history minute
1: very cool matt thank you
2: talking a little bit about the residue though i mean that chisel plow was a big deal I mean, oh yeah. that was a game changer yep it was a big big difference so now it's
0: time for you applied what what did you do So in this segment, as always, we're talking about different products that have the same uh, function or active ingredient, but different names. So it's always good to know what you're, what you're applying and we'll follow labels when applying. So today, Bill, you got some products for us? I'm going to hand it back to Max. Or, oh, Max has got Max actually us, came right.
2: up
1: with these. So. Yeah, I, I well, I didn't come up with them. Someone else invented them. I just put them in a list.
2: <laughs> you put them in a list. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you weren't the inventor.
1: Are you guys ready? Got your ears on? Ready. Yep. Okay. Ready and rock. Okay, so today our products are Arondis, Quilt, Trivapro Pro, and Cobra. All right, so Quilt, Trivapro, Pro,
0: I know those are fungicides. I'm assuming, then uh, that Arondis probably is too, because Cobra, I know has
2: fungicidal properties.
0: Right, but it's not technically a fungicide. No.
3: So, Bill, you're you're going with Cobra. Cobra it is.
0: Cobra for me. Yeah, Cobra.
3: I- Todd. Are you saying Arondis light, right? You think Arondis? Arondis? Or- Arondis? Arondis? No, it's because R O,
1: yeah, I'll
3: go with or- Arondis.
1: We're getting Arondis question. Okay, that, was, oof, that, one <laughs> that was that was brutal. Speaking of puns, <clears throat> all right. Uh, so the anth- the correct, there, the odd one out would be Cobra, which oddly enough currently has the best rating for white mold of all, all fungicides, those. even though it's not a fungicide. <clears throat>
2: But we're gonna go with your theory, though, of you know, bad names or uh, tough names like Cobra. You know, it's a good weed killer, right?
0: Right, so and it, it's an
1: it, it's a very good weed killer. It kills a lot of things.
2: It makes you think you
0: killed your beans too when you spray. <laughs> yeah. It. yeah, generally,
1: I love that question. <laughs> yeah. You you told me to spray this, and now my beans are dead.
2: Like, uh, nope. Just don't look at the field for like two weeks. It'll be fine.
1: You'll, I promise it'll be okay.
2: You'll pat me on the back when we're done. Just yeah. wait two weeks, please.
1: I would also like to say that Arondis their their boxes are awesome for soil sampling. They're, Ooh. they're reinforced. They're large, so you don't have to force the samples in. Very nice. Big fan. What jugs
3: are that? What size? I think they're two. The two two and a halfs. Yeah, or? I think oh. they're two two and a halves, So the normal they, size box. Yeah, is, but they just you hardcore. know
1: they like it roomy in there. You know, it's not it's not like a studio apartment in there. Yeah. You know, it's like a full size. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, there you go, us There's your free,
1: ad yeah. revenue I have no opinion <clears throat> on the actual chemical. I'm it's just the box. Just, just yeah. the box. It's it's your, keep going box. on your box. Whoever, I'm, like, I'm like a cat. I'm here for the box, man. Whoever, <laughs>
0: whoever makes Rondis' box, thank you. Yeah, yeah congratulations. <laughs>
1: the soil samplers, really. <laughs> think soil
0: samplers of
2: America unite. Your cardboard mm. production.
0: All right, Todd. Let's hear about NAICC.
3: How yeah, can f- we find a independent if agronomist? If you like what you heard today, please find an independent crop consultant. Um, is just out there to to help serve you and doesn't sell any product, National Alliance of Independent Crop Consultants or NAICC.org. All right. Thanks, Todd. So
0: that'll do it for today. We talked about low-lignin alfalfa and some tips and tricks when using that. In our Cool Beans That's Corny, we talked about Brazilian beef prices being on the rise. Hopefully that'll trend into global markets. And that's corny was this this year. 2019, we're all ready to get it, give it up, let it go, uh, which is convenient because tomorrow Frozen comes out. So let's, let's, nice. let's, let's nice let it go. Matt. Holy Let, let go. it go. Can't wait. <laughs> For, and uh, Egg History Minute, we talked about early technologies in the 90s when we first had some GMOs and some other technologies that were helping farming. And we continue today. And you applied what? We talked about fungicide. And that Cobra, despite its ability to help with white mold, is not a fungicide. So... Thanks for being here, guys.
1: Thanks, Matt.
0: Thanks, Matt. Matt. And as always, happy farming.